Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Okay, let's go for our final session tonight, and it'll be a little bit simpler. Plus, I have an assignment for you to do. Everybody should know how to do a psalm now. That's a laugh of unbelief I can pick up now. That's a Sarah laugh. (laughs) Having know that Isaac, his name means laughter. And the reason uh, his name was called Isaac laughter was uh, his mother laughed, Sarah laughed, and Abraham laughed. Uh, Sarah's was the laugh of unbelief. (laughs) An old woman having a baby at 100 years of age. Abraham laughed. (laughs) Praise God. Do it again, Lord. And it was all right for him because he had to get the energy. Uh, anyway, we'll just leave that for the moment. Okay, let's go to the doxology of the Psalms. We've done Psalm 1, and now we're going to finish on Psalm 150. Uh, just six wonderful verses. And so uh, we've got this Psalm 150, a Psalm of Praise, the Doxology. Uh, So we'll read it here, uh, reading from New Authorized here. So praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Uh, Depends on your translation, the timbrel. And dance, praise him with the lute and the harp, praise him with the timbrel and dance, praise him with stringed instruments and flutes, praise him with loud cymbals, praise him with clashing cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everybody said, praise the Lord. All right, now just reading off our notes here for a start. What's that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. All right, uh, let's read off the notes here. There are ten uh, hallelujah psalms. Uh, Hebrew is hallelujah. Uh, each of these begins with, uh, psalms begins with praise, the, praise you the Lord or praise Jah and ends with the same accepting psalms 111, 112, which only have this expression of praise at the beginning. They fall into two groups of five. Psalm 106, 111, 12, 13, 135, Hallelujah, or Jah Psalms. And second group, Hallelujah Psalms, 146, 47, 48, 49, 50. All right, now, uh, interesting to note here that when it says, Praise ye the Lord, praise ye Jah, uh, it actually is the redemptive name of God. I'd like you to go back to that for a moment. Um, uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that in due time. Okay, uh, this name, Jah, is used uh, some 49 times in the Old Testament, four times in the New Testament, and I've given you the references there. So, so Psalm 150 is the doxology of Psalms. The key word is what? Praise. And uh, depending on, again on your translation there, it's used 13 times, beginning and ending with Hallelujah. This psalm is the benediction, the doxology to, to the whole book of psalms. Hebrew is halal, uh, quite a popular word today. 
primitive root to be clear, originally of sound, but usually of color to shine, hence to make a show, to boast, celebrate, also to stultify or to praise. Vine's Dictionary Praise, used over 160 times in the Old Testament, includes shouting, jubilation, to boast, and of course we boast in God, we don't boast in ourselves. All right, now note the outline of the psalm I've given you here. Uh, how many are involved in the ministry of music here? Hands up. Okay, a few over there. Okay, musicians, listen to me for some of this. Anyway, uh, maybe a few different thoughts for you. Um, okay, so the outline of the, of the psalm I've given you is a psalm of praise, uh, the key word being praise, the person we praise, the place we praise, uh, the reason to praise, the theme of praise, the means of praise, and the people who praise. So uh, that's where we're going. Okay, so number one, praise ye the Lord, or praise ye Jah, or Jehovah. Okay, verse one. I'd like you to go back to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. And when we look at this name, there are two major uh, names for God, we might say, uh, in, in, the, in the scripture. And I've got it on your notes there, but let's go to Exodus uh, chapter 3. Did I say Exodus 3? Yes. I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3. All right, now because I'm talking to a very intelligent bunch of people. Very good on this side, the left side, sick on the right side. Okay, all right, now Moses is just in the backside of the desert here and God appears to him, the angel of the Lord. Uh, we believe it was the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to, uh, to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Did you know that God did the miracle of the sun, S-U-N, in the burning bush? When I was young, a kid a hundred years ago, they told me that eventually the sun is going to burn out and that the planet Earth will become a little frozen planet. Well, don't believe that if we understand who created the sun. But God created a burning bush there, and it was burning but not consumed. And they say, some of the scientists say, not religious Kevin Connor, some of the scientists say that the sun is a world of fire, and it's burning but it'll never be consumed. Well, that's an interesting thought. But God did the miracle of the sun in the burning bush. It was burning, but wasn't consumed. And so, what happened? God called. In verse 3, Moses said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And I get fed up with these modernists who say, well, it was just one of those bushes that used to blaze in the heat of the desert. I say, well... Go and talk to it, you know. I mean, God talked out of this bush. Uh, how many are ex-Presbyterians? Okay, I, I was, yeah. What was the sign of the, of the Presbyterian church? The burning bush. And I think they've run out of fire, some of them. Eh? God was supposed to speak, and God spoke out the bush. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses, he said, here am I. And he said, don't draw here, uh, put off your shoes. He didn't say take off your hat. 
take off your shoes for the place where on your stand is holy. And we are on holy ground tonight. It's made holy by the presence of the Lord. Is that right? See, that's the difference, you know. It's holy ground because of his presence. So God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, and uh, Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. And then God told him how he'd uh, called him and he'd seen the burden of, of his people in Egypt and he's going to bring them to a good land. Now, I want you to go down to verse 10. This is important and uh, our Western mind doesn't always get hold of these things. He says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, I will certainly be with you. Some of the uh, other translations say, I am with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now I want you to notice verse 13 onwards a little bit. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you. And they will say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Now, please note here, God is not a name. In the beginning, God. Elohim, Elohim, whatever. Uh, but the name God is referred to human beings. You are God, a little g. And uh, the devil is the God of this world. So the word God is simply means a person or an object of worship. And it's used of God himself, angels, uh, the devil himself, human beings. So God is not a name. So it was no use Moses going down there. Let's read verse 13 again and like those comments. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say, The God of your fathers have sent me. And they say to me, what is his name? What will I say to them? He couldn't say God. And he couldn't say, oh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Because God in the Old Testament is El. I've got it on your notes there. And uh, when you see El, God, it simply means the strong one, the almighty. Generally, generally, it's the creator's name. And so... Uh, no use him going down and say, God have sent me. Because, why? When you go to Exodus chapter 12, while, while you're there, keep Exodus uh, chapter 3. Exodus 12, and uh, I think it's verse 12. Exodus 12, verse 12. Yes, uh, uh, Exodus 12, verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night... And will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and, and against all the gods of Egypt, will, I will execute judgment. I am Jehovah. So the, worship, the, 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 the Egyptians worship many gods. They worship the lice, they worship the river Nile, uh, they worship the frogs, they, they worship all these gods. And every plague that God sent on the land of Egypt was a judgment against one of their gods. So it's no use go, Moses going down there and say, oh, God sent me the God of your fathers. They say, what's his name? We've got so many gods here, what's another one? Let's continue on, back to Exodus 3. Everybody breathing? Yes. So they'll say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God is not a name. 
And God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am that I am. I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, the Hebrew guys, when a Jew comes to Christ, they have much more insight into this than us Westerners do. But I am who I am. When they get a revelation of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this is what the Hebrews, the Jews say when they understand the, the Godhead. I am the Father who, mystery about the central one, who, I'll come back to that in a moment, I am the Holy Spirit. They say, I am the Father who, mystery about the central one, but I am, I am who I am, the Holy Spirit. But they say the mysterious person in the middle, who or that, finds fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many can say amen? And when you go to the Gospel of John, at least seven or eight or nine times, I forget, I've got them all home somewhere, or in one of the books I did on the name of God, over and over again, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection of life. And uh, when they say, well, how old are you? He said, before Abraham was, I am. And they understood enough of it because when he said, I am, they took up stones to stone him. But he slipped through the crowd. And then to make it, make it you know, solid, remember when they came to uh, arrest Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane? And he said, who do you seek you? Who do they seek? Who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Jesus say? He said, I am. And what happened? The soldiers fell backwards. Now, I could say I am all day. <laughs> and nobody would fall over. But when he says it, see, it was, and they understood it was the name of the burning bush. So let's put it all together. I am the Father, who I am the Son, when he became flesh. And the incarnation, I am the Holy Spirit. I, not I was or I will be, I am. That is eternal, e-present. I am the eternal. Now, let's, let's see what happens. There's a change here. Because never again in the Old Testament... Watch my time, Kevin. Um, never again in the Old Testament... And even when Moses goes down to, uh, to the uh, Israelites, he never uses the name I am. It's never used again in the Old Testament by anybody. There's a change. This is the only declaration where he says, I am who I am, and I am, I am, I am, a revelation of the name of God. Then it changes. He says in verse 14, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And Moses never says that once. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, sent me unto you. This, what? The Lord God. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. And so from now on, 
Over 6,000 times, if I miss a couple, you can check it out. He says, the Lord is my name. They will know that my name is the Lord. And in the Old Testament, it's always the Lord God. Now, it may help us to understand that when Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost, which I've already referred to, and he said, let all the house of Israel know that the Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand, therefore let all the house of Israel know that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, it's not the Lord God, it's the Lord Jesus. Because the Son is partaker of the Father's name because the Son and the Father are co-equal as persons. And when Thomas, who got the greatest revelation, he said, I'm not going to believe unless I put my finger in the print in his nails and my hand inside. And Jesus just turned up at the meeting, walked right through the door and said, Thomas, don't be a doubting Thomas, be a shouting Thomas, Reach forth your hand. And Thomas said the greatest confession, and this for a Jew was blasphemy. He said, my Lord and my God. Now that was blasphemy for a Jew to say that to a mere man. It confirms who Jesus is. And I can say that tonight, can't you? My Lord and my God. Everybody said amen. amen. So this is the redemptive name. And so he goes down. In verse 16, go and gather the elders of Israel together, because if the elders don't believe, no hope for the rest of the people, and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers. Okay, that's enough on that. He's appeared to me, and I'll visit you and do these signs and wonders. So, all back to your notes here. So, the person we praise is, when we come together, we are praising the Lord, or Jah, or Jehovah, the, our Redeemer. Jesus Christ is both our Saviour, and our Redeemer is my Lord and my God. Everybody said amen. amen. We praise him for who he is. All right, then uh, the next verse says, moving on quickly here. The place we praise, it says, praise him in his sanctuary. Now, what sanctuary is he talking about? All right, two things, and I want you, I'll, I'll go to the board for a moment here. And uh, I want you to pick this up later on. In the, uh, in the Old Testament, we have the Tabernacle of Moses. And then, the next uh, structure we have, and that's all we can do here, is the Tabernacle of David. So you'll find that uh, when God said to uh, Moses, take an offering of the people and build me a sanctuary, sanctuary, the sanctuary was the tabernacle of Moses, first of all. That was the dwelling place of God. But then you'll find, as you go through the Scripture, and I'll put them there for you, uh, in his sanctuary, so there was a place for his name in Old Testament times, the tabernacle of Moses, then the tabernacle of David, and then the temple of Solomon. Uh, excellent textbooks at word on those three structures. The place to gather for priestly ministry. So they would gather to the sanctuary and... You'll notice in 2 Samuel 6, I'll put the verse there, the name of the Lord was particularly not on any other article of furniture, but it was particularly on the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant upon which his name is called. So the redemptive name, and you think of this, as I said last week or the week before, whatever, 
the, the one piece of gold representing one God fashioned into a triangle, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Everybody identifies the bloodstained mercy seat as Jesus, the propitiation, and the two cherubim, not angels, but the Father and the Holy Spirit because their faces were to look one toward another and yet they were to gaze on the bloodstained mercy seat. In the midst of that was the glory, so the place to gather for his name. Uh, turn over to, I think I've got time to sneak this in, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12, and you know, as I said, please don't take this unkindly, but in the Western, because the Bible is not a Western book, the Bible is a Hebrew book, and we need to understand a little bit of that somewhere. Now, in the, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12, I've circled it in my Bible, but uh, I want you to note the key word of the word place, because we're looking at the place we praise. The person we praise is Jehovah, Jawah, our Redeemer. Okay, the place we praise, praise him in sanctuary. Now, if you mark your Bible, unless you've already done it, verse 2 when they go into the land, you will utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods, places for their gods, on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree. You shall, verse 4, you shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Now, verse 5, but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribe to put his name a place to put his name his, for his dwelling place. And there shall you go. Go down to verse 11. Then there sh- will be the place, I've underlined it, where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide or to dwell. The place for his name. Verse 14. But in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes. Verse 18. But you must eat them before the Lord your God in the place. And then go down to verse 21. If the place where the Lord your God has chosen to put his name there is too far from you, then do this. And one more reference, verse 26. Only the holy things which you, uh, you have and your vowed offerings you shall go, take and go to the place which the Lord chooses. And then you'll find as you go through the chapter... Uh, go to verse 11 and then we'll back off a little bit. There shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name, a place for his name to dwell there. There you will bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offering, your choice vows. You're to take it to the place where his name is. Now, what's the New Testament deal with this? Where two or three are gathered together, harmonize, symphony, symphonize, make a symphony, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. So there's so much in this I can't indulge, but when we are baptized, We are baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That triune name of the triune God is invoked upon us. And see, today, the local church is the place 
where his name. He doesn't say send your tithes and offerings and your sacrifices to box 666. What would my wife do if I paid our next door neighbours my board? She would grab me by the nose and say, you pay your board where you're fed. 106 Catherine Road. Right? So where do we bring our tithes and offerings and our sacrifices and everything? Bring it to the local church because that's where his name is. Well, that's enough on that sanctuary. Now, notice how the sanctuary changes a little bit here. First of all, in his sanctuary, the place, either Tabernacle Moses, Tabernacle Day or Temple Solomon, a place for his name, or else there is a heavenly sanctuary. We said this last week. The sanctuary in heaven, the heavenly temple, the heavenly tabernacle, casts its shadow on earth. And when Moses built the tabernacle here, this was just the shadow on earth of the heavenly tabernacle here was the ark of the covenant where his name was and the altar of incense and the golden lampstand table showbread whichever side it was on let's get get that mixed up and so that was the sanctuary so they would bring their place that's where God's name they would bring their Burnt offerings, sacrifice, the tithes and offerings, so forth. So the heavenly sanctuary is in, referred to in Hebrews 7, 8, and 9. Firmament, the expanse of heaven. Revelation 11, I've given you scriptures there. The ta- uh, tabernacle of the testimony was opened. And then, let us see, we have the earthly sanctuary, this side of the cross, where two or three are gathering his name. There I am in the midst. That's it. I am. There I am. It's the name of the burning bush. So that's why I'm harping on this. I know. Let's, you know, try and just get a sense of his presence amongst us. I am the name of the burning bush. Jesus is there. All right, number three, the reason to praise. We praise him for his mighty acts. And I've given you several scriptures there. His signs and acts of redemption from Egypt's bondage, and we're praising him uh, for what he does. Um, Let me ask you a question here. Uh, One, uh, and for the musicians, the musos, help us here. Uh, One of the things that uh, I try to watch is that we develop our religious cliches. And sometimes I've gone to different churches, my wife and I, and uh, say, "Okay, let's have a time of praise and worship." And my poor little mind thinks, what do you think I've been doing here for the last half hour? (laughs) What do they mean, have a little time of praise and worship? Now, because this is a psalm of praise, and praise is used 13 times, how many believe that there is a difference between praise and worship? Okay, would anybody like to suggest a difference between praise and worship? Or you're all scared now. Okay, just a simple illustration. I'd like to spend more time on this, but we won't. We won't. Uh, the difference between praise and worship, a uh, good illustration, I think. Uh, when I was younger and I would go overseas and my, my little red-headed boy, Mark Andrew Connor, was there, 
he'd always meet me at the plane with mum and, uh, and Sharon and say, oh, I love daddy, I love daddy. Uh, daddy, have you got any presents for me? Can I open the case? Can I carry it? And always be too heavy and I'd always buy my kids something. And so he just loved daddy for what I gave him. <laughs> but as he grew older, the best thing I ever heard him say when I came home from an overseas trip, and I said, you love daddy? Yeah, what do you love daddy for? He said, I just love daddy just for you. Oh, doesn't that make you... Hard go, I wish he'd say that now. He says it to Nicole. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, pardon me. So, uh, yeah, so uh, just very briefly, praise is praising God for what he has done, but worship is worship for who he is. That's the difference. So praising God for what he's done, I praise God for looking after the cat and the dog and the cucumbers and everything like that. And the angels go in our house when we're But just to worship him for who he is. Now, I've been to lots of praising churches. I haven't been to too many worshiping churches. And when people used to say to me, as the former previous senior minister, I didn't get anything out to worship this morning, say, you didn't get anything out of did God. Who's worship for? I thought worship was for God, not for you. They've never said it since. I wonder why that would be. Anyway. Okay, so there's times of praise and we have praising songs, but there's sometimes we just need some worship songs where we worship him for who he is. Not just praise him for what he's done but who he is. Everybody understand that? Just a simple illustration, but it's very simple. Now, let's go to the next one here, as time keeps going. The theme of praise, according to his excellent greatness, magnitude, surpassing greatness, greatness of his power, mercy and love, ascribe greatness to our God. We used to sing. Now, number five, uh, the means of praise, or the instruments of praise. That's what you've got, instruments of praise. Now, Something very important to pick up here, and I am trying to watch my time here. Uh, I think it's a long, long time uh, since any of us have had uh, any uh, teaching on this. But uh, let's give me, let me give you a little bit. In the time of David, there were two tabernacles. There was the tabernacle of Moses over here, and that was on uh, Mount Gibeon. And then there was the tabernacle of David on Mount Zion. Now, David, under a revelation from God, and uh, you can get this in a couple of books I've written. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but people say, well, what about it? Okay, tabernacle of Moses, tabernacle of David, and what David did under the revelation of the Spirit of God, he built a tent or pitched a tent called the Tabernacle of David. And what he did, in the will of God, after the Philistines had taken the Ark of the Covenant and then it got too hot for them to handle, God plagued them, they sent the Ark back. So what did David do? Instead of 
taking the ark and putting it in here where it used to be, David now puts the ark of the covenant in the tabernacle of David. Now, just very quickly on this, there was a bunch of priests over here and they had an outer court and a holy place and carried on the sacrificial system, bells and smells, incense and nonsense, but an empty, most holy place. There was no Ark of the Covenant, no presence there. And you see, this was shadowing something under the law age. But over here, there was a bunch of priests. And let me just uh, uh, say this and run away. Four and 24 and uh, two by 144 and then thousands. Now listen to this. Over here, representing law, this represented grace, it's an empty, most holy place. And I wonder what the priests were thinking. I wonder why we're carrying on this system here. There's no Ark of the Covenant. There's no presence of God. And over here, they have no outer court, no holy place, just the most holy place. And they can go right in before the ark of God and worship God. And you know what David did? And this is all at seed form. I have done it in the text if, you, if you're interested. There were four chief singers here. Then there were 24 priests on duty with instruments worshipping 24 hours a day. There were 288 singers which is two by 144, and then there were the thousands of priests. And you see, you can't understand the book of Revelation without understanding this, because book of Revelation built on tabernacle of Moses, tabernacle of David, and in the book of Revelation, what do you see? Four living ones, 24 elders, 144,000 singers with harps, and then the thousands of the redeemed. Where do you get all that from? Just understanding the tabernacle of David, tabernacle of Moses. Wow. How many think the Bible could be inspired? Remember I said right from the start, one author, but many writers. Here it is there. Now, what would the means of praise we have here? Go back to Psalm 150. You have wind instruments. I'll have to give you a couple of scriptures here. By the way, wind instruments and the trumpet and the organ, depends on your translation. And then you have stringed instruments. I think the amplifiers says the guitar, the psaltery and harp, stringed instruments. And then uh, says stringed instruments. Uh, I, I got some pictures of these in the tabernacle, David. And then you have percussion instruments. Uh, the timbrels and the loud cymbals and the high-sounding cymbals. Now, why don't you put these scriptures down? Because when you go back to the tabernacle of David and the temple of Solomon, there was a temple orchestra. And listen to it. 
First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 42. Sorry, we haven't got time to turn to it. First Chronicles 16, 42. First Chronicles 15, verse 16. And First Chronicles 23, verse 5. And there were 4,000 instruments that David made to be praised the Lord with. He says, 4,000 praise the Lord with the instruments which I made, said David, to praise the Lord therewith. Think of that. Now, here's the punchline for everybody. How many would like to have 4,000 instruments in this place? I wouldn't. I've got to hang on to my ears. Did you know that when the instruments played back there, the temple was not a place in which they worshipped. They did it in the open air. The temple was not a church building. So we're just saying to the musicians, don't deafen me when you play. Thank you, Kevin, for that very good thought. Um, Anyway, I think we've said enough on that. Did anybody get anything out of that? I did. Okay. So we've got to remember that the temple was not a place where they had thousands of people gathering for worship, like this auditorium holds 2,000 people. We couldn't handle 4,000 instruments and percussion and high percussion. We have enough as it is. Uh, Who said, oh, me? Oh, amen. Okay. All right, that's enough on that. Hope you musicians got something out of that. Uh, we don't want people coming out the front to get their ears prayed for. <laughs> and then uh, number six, the last part here, the people who praise. Uh, it says there, uh, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So the only reason for not praising the Lord is when you're out of breath. And that's generally dead people, right? <laughs> okay, down the bottom, and then I've got one other thing I need to say. It's just about time. Uh, so at the dedication of the Temple of Solomon, Israel worshipped in the courts of the Lord, standing out in the open. They were at the east end of the altar, altar the singers and the trumpeters of one accord in one place, in praising and thanking the Lord. So remember that the, the services then were outside, not in the in the uh, holy place or anything like that. Zacharias was in the holy place at the time of incense. The people were standing in the court praying. So Old Testament times was not in church buildings. So when it, makes a, it says to make a joyful noise to the Lord, remember where that joyful noise was. It wasn't in the building where people were becoming deaf and you had to pray for healing. Okay? It was <laughs> Is anybody enjoying this apart from me? <laughs> Okay, in the courts of the Lord. Not in the holy place of the temple where ten tables, ten lampstands and golden altar of incense. All right, I think you've had enough. Okay, turn to your last page here. Where is it? Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this, uh, the class. How, how many actually have been here for the eight sessions? Oh, you pat yourself on the back. Wonderful. Congratulations. All right, now, what I've done on the last sheet here, recommendation, is how to study a psalm. 
So I've tried to give you the idea, the psalm, writer of the psalm if known. If, if there's a historical background, not hysterical, but historical background, was it sent to the chief musician? See, in my days, Salvation Army days, all music had to go through the SABT, I think, the Salvation Army Musical Board, anyway, see if it qualified to be sung in the House of Lord. Remember that? Uh, oh, we're getting up there, aren't we? Okay, type of music, if, if it's noted, the theme of the psalm, suggested title for the psalm, key words or phrases, in what, this one is simple, blessings or promise, a messianic or prophetic verses. Uh, we've, we've touched on all these, cursings and or judgment, blessings, promise, prayer, praise, worship, scripture cross-references, and uh, you may not use the 16, you may only use four or five, but practical truths learned from the psalm. All right, I'd like to give you an assignment and uh, you can do it before Jesus comes. Okay, two Psalms. Uh, 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 Psalm 52. Why don't you glance at that quickly? So you can do either. If you want to do both, I've given you enough, I hope I've given you enough keys. Come on up, Peter, while we're doing this. Psalm 52. And it says at the, at the title here, Psalm 52, yes, uh, in, in the title there, or the superscription, it's got, to the chief musician, the Psalm of David, when, when Nathan, the prophet, oh no, that's not it, is it? Wrong one. Okay, Psalm 52, sorry. To the chief musician, Maskell, check that out, the Psalm of David, when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said unto him, David is come to the house of Ahimelech. So you need to do a bit on the history of that because that's going to help you understand the psalm. And then the other psalm is, uh, go to Psalm 142. Come on up, Peter. Psalm 142. And it says in the title here, there we are. Yes, it says, uh, uh, Maskell of David. You can check that out. A prayer when he was in the cave. So you need to check on the history. What cave is he talking about? Maybe the cave of Abdullam, where he had his men. So see what you can do on that and have fun. God bless you and thanks for being such a good bunch. Be sure to pick up a copy of Kevin Connor's verse-by-verse exposition on the book of Psalms available in Australia from word.com.au and internationally from Amazon in paperback and Kindle formats and as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop.